And so today, I wanted to share, I preached this word a few months ago. Janet, you may have been there in Lincoln. But as I listened to you Thursday, I wanted to share this word with you here. Because what, what you did is you really began to declare, we are engaging in a battle for our city as seeing the kingdom of God come to it, to our generation and to the next generation. And when you engage in warfare, that means you, you've signed up now for the battle. And I, I think how many of you have ever watched Gone with the Wind? Yeah? And so one of those Southerns were so eager to enter into the battle, right? Yeah, we're going to conquer. And there's just all this initial excitement. And then, you know, when you start losing your neighbors in the battle, it gets really real, right? And it, it changes. That initial yes can, can change into something else. And so I wanted to share this word, because right now we're in the initial yes, but we have to maintain to the end, right? We've got to see it all the way through. And so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about that, and I actually, when I preach this message, I like to have my actual Bible. How many of you brought an actual Bible? Adam has his, yeah, truly, it's truly even so I actually went inside on my way here to get my Bible, and I got distracted. I remembered the garbage can from the back, but I forgot my Bible. Thankfully, it's on my phone. So we are going to be, though, walking through quite a few passages. So if you want to begin just to turn to 1 Samuel. And we're going to look at an account in the life of King David. I love the life of King David. If you've never studied his life, because King David is really a foreshadow of Christ. He is, he is looking, he is, he is the, the person of the Old Testament that we see Christ looking ahead to the Messiah. And so his life is fascinating. And so we're going to look at a couple of chapters and, and just kind of go over some of his life. And so we're actually going to be reading the account in 1 Samuel chapter 30. However, I want to kind of give you a backstory to what is happening in this account. And so the story really begins with David. David has been anointed to be king of Israel, right? Saul was the first king, and because of disobedience, it was taken away from him. And anointed was David to be king. He was not yet operating as the king yet. Right? He had to do a whole runaround as Saul chased him down to try to kill him. And so David is running around with this bunch of men that he has surrounded his warriors with. And so as he's running from King Saul, he escapes to the land of the Philistines. This is, if you go back just a couple of chapters, I think 28. Now, remember... The Philistines, who they were, you, you recall when David was a young lad, just off of the fields, and he goes to take his brothers, some, I think it was cheese, and he comes and he finds the army of Israel hiding from Goliath the giant, right? And David's like, what are you all doing? Why are you hiding from this giant? Don't 
shot and proceeds to kill this Philistine. And so this is the people that we are referring to, where he first encountered in battle. And so now we find him escaping and hiding out in their very land, the land of the Philistines. And so he hides out in their land, and what he does for about a year and a half, for a year and a half, he engages in war, and he attacks other countries. And when he attacks other countries, he brings the spoils back and gives it to the king of the Philistines. And he tells the king, I got this from Israel. So he's lying. He's, he doesn't want to attack his own land, but he wants to prove a loyalty to the Philistines. So he takes from other lands, declares it's part of Israel to getting good with the Philistines. So the Philistines give David his own city, Ziklag, to live in with his people. So he's got his own city in the land of the Philistines that he and his people are living in. And so he's been engaging in this activity for a year and a half. A year and a half in, the king of the Philistines decides they want to attack Israel. And so what do they have but like they, one of those inspections of the troops? They're bringing all the troops of the Philistines across for inspection. And, and David, he and his men are at the back. And when it comes time for their inspection, the king of the Philistines says, no, David cannot go to war. We know David's reputation from back in the day. He's one that has slain 10,000s. He has a reputation of being a mighty warrior. What if in the heat of the battle, he decides to flip sides and begin to fight against us. And so they send David, which David gets upset about, they send David and his men back to Ziklag. Okay, so that is where things are at when we come to chapter 30. Okay, so in chapter 30, we're going to read the first five verses. Now it happened... When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept, until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Okay, so I asked you all, how was your week? It was nothing like David's. This was a really bad day for David, right? I don't think any of us have had to face this kind of thing where everything is burned down and your family. And, and just think about what is usually done to women in that scenario in an enemy camp. Um, I, I can't even imagine the emotion as these mighty soldiers 
are weeping and so they can weep no more. This is an intense emotional sorrow and grief, right? And so there's this horrific action that has taken place against them. And not only that, if you go on to read verse 6, so not only has he lost his home, his city, his family, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So now is he not only dealing with what is happening with his family and his home, but his own men have turned against him and are blaming him for the situation that they find themselves in. And it says it's coming from that place of grief because they were so grieved. And so out of their grief, they are turning against David, wanting to stone him to death. And so, again, this was a really bad day, right? On every, how many of you have been in that place where it feels like every time you turn around, it's like something is coming against you. And it literally had happened here with David. On all sides, if it was going to go wrong, it had gone wrong. And so today's question, in light of the story, is how do we respond when everything is going wrong and seems difficult and even tragic? How do you respond? Think about how you personally have responded in past situations. How do you respond? Here's the answer for how David responded in the last part of that verse. It's powerful. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In the midst of this tragedy on all sides, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And so today what I want to impart to you is strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. I think we live in a time where it's very, many people do not know how to do this. And if you can get how to do this, when the storms come, it will make it much easier for you to make it all the way through and to stand through them. And so we're going to take a few moments today to look at how David managed to do this. How did David manage to strengthen himself in the Lord? Because the truth is, is that nobody can do it for you. When we come together, we encourage one another, we inspire one another, but Monday morning is coming when we will not be with one another, right? And suddenly you're in your workplace where it is happening, and you have to be able on your own to strengthen yourself in the Lord in that moment. And so although there's a place for the connectivity of the body of Christ and encouraging each other, praying for each other, ultimately it has to begin with strengthening yourself. And so think about this, this truth that when distress comes, when distress hits your life, it reveals everything that's inside of you. It comes right out. How many of you heard that compared to the tea bag, right? 
whatever is in your tea bag, you stick it in hot water, not cold, you gotta stick it in hot water to get out of that tea bag what's inside of it, right? And so distress is what comes out of you when things get a little hot, when things get a little pressure filled. It reveals the truth of what's inside of you. And so what we see here is what is inside of David. And so he's he's lost everything. He's about to be stoned by his best friends. And now he's immediately turning to the Lord to strengthen himself. And so how do you respond? Do you pull away from God? Do you begin to blame God? Do you turn, and maybe not so much in this generation, a lot of the younger generation, I think, turns to social media to pour it all out there and find whatever affirmation that they can from people? Do you return to old behaviors, old patterns in your life? Um, things that have been destructive patterns when pressure comes and difficulty, if we're not strengthening ourselves in the Lord, the tendency can be to turn back to those things. And so, evaluating your life to say, how am I responding? And be honest with ourselves. There's a couple of places, like, I, I, I became a follower of Christ young enough when I was 11 that I had never, and I followed him ever since then. I've never walked away from him. And so I never engaged in um, destructive types of behavior. So my, my mind seemed very mild and, and probably stupid, but like when I, when tragedy, when things are difficult for me, like I'm a reader and I would find myself just, I don't want to leave this book. Where was it? It was an escape, right? I'm trying to deny reality. And it doesn't matter what the behavior is, trying to deny reality, it's trying to deny reality. And so whatever it is inside of you, it will come out. And so David revealed that that was inside of him. And, and it was an immediate turning to the Lord. And so now at this point in this account, David does not have the luxury of seeking comfort for himself. He can't just turn over in his tent and pull the covers over his head. Why? He's the leader. And now he has all of these men under him that are in the same boat with him, and he has to lead them. He has to be the one to step up to the plate and say, what are we going to do about it? And so he has to say, okay, what are we going to do? We will have to hear from the Lord. And so... After he strengthens himself in the Lord, he goes on in verse 7, David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. This is how they sought the Lord, the priest's ephod. And so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop that stole and burned? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Okay, now, did you catch how this goes? David didn't immediately say, I need to hear from God. What he immediately said is, I need to be strengthened by God. And if David is 
strengthen himself in the Lord, he's not going to be able to hear from the Lord. And so that he walks through this progression of process. How many of you in the dark days of trial, um, when in, your, in a difficult season, when there's like situational grief or depression or anxiety uh, or weariness, how many of you know it can be very hard to hear the shepherd's voice in those moments? Very hard to hear. It's, a, it's the dark. And even think Jesus understood this. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's in deep sorrow because he knows he's, he's having to come to the cross, and he's going to say, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from my, from my hands. And you don't ever hear that God responded. You just know Jesus got up and went the path of the cross. But you never hear God responding. No angel appeared to him. No voice like when he was baptized from heaven speaking to him. It was silence. And so in those dark places, it's very hard to hear the shepherd's voice. And so what has to happen is that in the dark place, you have to first strengthen yourself in the Lord. When you don't see him, when you don't feel him, you have to strengthen yourself in him. It's the place of faith. Right? Faith is that which we do not see. And so David, he strengthens himself and then he leans his ear in to hear the shepherd's voice. And he gets the direction he needs. So can you imagine if he had not done that, trying to, out of his fear for his family, out of his anger against the enemy, out of the situation with his, his soldiers, can you imagine trying to make a decision out of that without hearing from God? He knows he can't, and so he's got to hear what is God saying, what is God's direction. And so, God directs pursue. Okay, so now I want to take a few minutes and just walk you through so that you know how the story ends. And so, verse 7 and 8, he hears from the Lord. The Lord says to pursue. I love that God says, and surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Recover all. And so, go down to verse 9. So David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Basar, where those stayed who were left behind. Okay, so... 200 of his men decided they were too weary to continue the battle, and they stayed. And so David went on with 400 more. And so drop down to verse 16. We're going to kind of, in, the, in those in-between verses there, they come across a servant of the Philistines who tells them where they, their family is camping and leads them there which takes us to verse 16. And he says, when, when the servant had brought David down there, there they were spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. So the Amalekites are having a party because they've taken captive all of David's family. And so, verse 
Keep on reading. Then David, in verse 17, David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Now, here's the thing. If you read through the Old Testament, God, God does things different in every way. His promises he gives, and then they're fulfilled, never in the same way. Like, oh, God parted the sea now, so now every time he's going to part the sea. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes God completely went to battle for them, and they didn't have to do anything but kind of show up. That's not the case here. For over 24 hours, they are engaged in battle. So they have already been traveling from the inspection that they were in to arrive and find their city burned, their family taken, then they traveled on to find them, and then they engaged in an additional 24 hours of battle. That's pretty intense. That's a long, weary thing. And, and so God doesn't always just do it for us. We would love that. How many of you say, that's what I like and that's what I want? But he, he doesn't always do that. Sometimes when you're in the deepest place of weariness, he says, take up the sword, you need to fight. You gotta be on the battle. I put this for you to do. Now, remember his promise is faithful. God had told David, you shall recover all. But you gotta stand on the promise and pick up the sword and fight. And verse 19, and nothing of theirs, this is about David and his men, nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. David recovered all. And you know, it's one thing when we lose you know, it's tragic what's happening down south. You know, things are being destroyed, and that's made it very difficult. It's one thing when we're fighting for, for things in life. And then you got your sons and your daughters that, that have walked away from the Lord. And that's a whole nother battle, right? And the promises of God, you have to stand on this. He will recover all. He will recover all. When they are, after all those days of weariness and travel, and they're fighting in the midst with their swords, you got to wonder, is that resounding through their heads, we will recover all, we will recover all, or does doubt come in, and, ah, oh, did God really say that? There's this whole flux of thoughts and feelings and emotions, and the only thing you can do is stand on the word that God gives. And for David's sake, right here, it was, he will recover all. And so, you can take this, you can apply this battle to your life, whatever battle you're in. And it may look like this, it might be different. There's one thing that is consistent, you have to strengthen yourself. And so we're going to take a few minutes to just talk about that. Now, I'm going to give you four keys here, four steps, 
for strengthening yourself in the Lord. I want to be clear about this, though. I'm not talking about right now just the spiritual disciplines to live a healthy walk with Jesus. We're talking about a season of, of warfare and battle that's unique, right? And sometimes in our lives, we have unique seasons where the enemy is just like pushing in. And, and that's what happens. This was a warfare that David was in, right? This was a battle that David was in. It was unique. So I'm not giving you things on how to live with a healthy, maintained spiritual discipline. If you want that, you can go back on our YouTube channel. I've got a message on spiritual disciplines that you can listen to. These are things that when you are in the unique situation, okay, think about, think about Mark. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus and the disciples get in the boat, and Jesus says, come on, we're going to go to the other side of this lake. And so they get in the boat, and what happens? The winds begin to blow, and the storm comes, and where do we see Jesus? Taking a nap. Jesus isn't bothered by it at all, but what's happening with the disciples? They're freaking out. Jesus, don't you care about us? We're drowning here. We're, we are sinking. That's what it, it says. We are sinking. How many of you ever felt like that in a situation? Lord, I think I might be going under if you don't rescue me, right? Now, you all know our family likes to camp, and I have never been in a big storm when I've been camping with them in the canoe. They have been, and, and so I hear their stories. And if you're going to be in a canoe in a storm, you want to be with her, because she has an ability to persevere and sing her way through. Darren will do it too, get some worship songs singing. And, and then they like to tell the stories of having to bail water out of the boat while they are. I think at one point with your first one, your first encounter when you were 11 and 9, I think the boat was completely submerged underwater while they were canoeing. Yeah. Yes. And, and so that feeling of maybe going under, right? It's intense when you're in that moment. Uh, I think I'm seeing Jesus. Don't do something. I think everybody has probably experienced that. And Jesus, what does he do when he's sleeping? We're sleeping, Jesus! What? What's going on? Don't you want to take a nap with me? Hang out with my pillow? No! He, so Jesus, he, and Jesus is like, what? why are you fearing? That's the question he asked them. Why are you fearing? Where is your faith? Man, he had no like, oh, I feel sorry for you. Are you sinking? Are you in a storm? Let me comfort you. That wasn't what Jesus said in that moment. He said, where is your faith? <laughs> and then Jesus calmed the storm, and they got to the other side. What had the disciples forgotten? They forgot that Jesus said at the beginning, come on, let's go to the other side. Regardless of what happens in the middle, if Jesus says we're going to the other side, you are going to arrive on the other side. And so we are talking in this moment about that kind of situation. You are sinking, you're in the middle of the lake, and you know God's promise for the end, but you got to make it to get to the end, right? And so what do you do when you're in that middle point? 
four things. Here's the first one. You have to decide to do it. You have to decide, I'm going all the way through. You have to decide, I am going to strengthen myself in the Lord. That's all there is to it. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter if I'm sinking. I have to make the decision to strengthen myself in the Lord. Everything in his power to keep you subjugated to, to, to the, the place of, of feeling like you're not going to come out of this. And, and so here's what happens. You, in the moment, this is why we talk a lot about spiritual alignment. Um, and maybe you ever go to the chiropractor, you get yourself aligned, right? Because your body can get out of alignment and it doesn't work properly. Well, it's no different spiritually. My body, my, my emotions, they aren't on top. If they were on top, they, I would be out of alignment. My spirit man has to be on top. And so when we're in the dark places, my emotions don't get to dictate what choices I make. My spirit man does. And so, in the dark places, that's where your spirit man tells the rest of you, I know we're not going to go vomit all over Facebook, what's all of my offenses and, and what was me. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to strengthen, we're going to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And so, then the rest of you will align to your spirit man's decision. Does that make sense? And so this is the moment, this is what David is in this moment where he could have done either, right? He could have just given it and said, forget it. I don't want leadership. I decided I don't want to be the king. I don't want to do this. All this meant is that somebody has chased me down, tried to kill me, and now my soldiers want to kill me as well. I've had enough of kingship, thank you very much, right? He could have done that. But he didn't. In the moment, he said, no, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord, and I'm going to hear what God has to say. And so, his family is stolen, his friends are stoning him, and in the next breath, he's encouraging himself. You've got to make the decision. I'm going to be a person that strengthens myself in the Lord. And you're better off if you can make the decision that I'm going to be that person before the trial comes. Okay, so decide to do it. Forget about your emotions, forget about your thinking, you just gotta, I'm gonna do it. And then once you decide you're going to do it, you have to step through the gate of thanksgiving and praise. This is hard because it's the place you sometimes you're wanting to just turn on God and why God and and there's nothing wrong with asking and talking to God about that stuff. But it cannot come at the cost of, in the midst of asking the questions, there must be worship. There must be praise. Okay? Why? Because in, in Psalm 22, verse 3, it says this, that God, you are holy, and you are enthroned in the praises of your people. So where does God's presence live? It lives in our praises. When we praise, it's the invitation for his presence to come and live in our midst. And so if you're going to strengthen yourself in the Lord, you need the Lord, right? And so the gateway to him is praise. 
The gateway is thankfulness. The gateway is gratitude. Gratitude is a strong weapon to utilize. When it feels like everything's falling apart, to begin to choose to find things to be grateful for and to praise the Lord. There's something that happens. There, there are times that I've had, I've had uh, Caleb, the young guy at our church, he works at my coffee shop, come in on me at the shop. When I've had the music, the, there was one morning I was just having a hard time. I'm like, all right, it's time to put something on. i got to shake this stuff off of me. And then I just had it blaring as I was singing the praise of the Lord to, to break off the, the heaviness that was trying to come on. Praise does that. Praise is not just a singing of, of nice songs with one another. It is a weapon of warfare. David understood this. Did you remember King Saul used to be tormented spiritually, emotionally? He would be tormented by anxiety and depression. David, he would call for David. This was before he was trying to kill him. Um, he would call for David to come in and play on his instrument. And when David began to worship, that would alleviate in Saul. Why? Because praise is a weapon. And where, what? Think of this. The enemy, the enemy used to be the director of worship in heaven before he got a little prideful. He used to lead in the praise and worship of heaven. And then, so you begin to enter into praise and worship, and what happens? He's not liking that. He understands what happens in praise and worship, and he begins to flee. And so, it's a powerful tool to step through as the gate in praise and worship. Okay, this is very connected to the third step, which is connecting with his presence. Because to connect to his presence means you have to begin to praise and to worship, right? So once you step through the gate, now you are in the place of praise. So turn over to Romans chapter 15. Verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when God himself comes to you, he is the God of hope. And what do you need in these dark places? You need hope. And, and hope is your confidence. It's expectation and it's confidence. And so when when the trial comes, you're, what can happen is when you think you're sinking, you're losing confidence and you're losing your expectation. And you need the God of hope to come and fill you. And so when you connect with his presence, because his presence is real, it's tangible, you can feel it, you can encounter it. And when he comes to you, he begins to fill you what of joy, peace, and believing. I mean, you can say in those dark places, joy and peace are two things you really need. 
that you may not just get a little bit of hope, but abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every time we have walked through difficulties, we 29 years we've been married, and we've had a couple of very difficult seasons. Every time we're walking through one now with a family member, every time, every time, the response is find the presence of the Lord and we need to hear from Him. And when we hear from God, Joy can return you. It doesn't make sense to have joy and trial. It just doesn't. But when the God of hope fills you to the place of abounding, then there is a supernatural thing that happens. And joy and peace comes. And you don't have to walk like the world walks through it. You have found joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So decide you're going to do it. Step through the gates of praise and connect with his presence. When you do these first three things, you can then do the fourth thing. And the fourth thing is to quiet yourself and listen. Right? David had to hear from God. And often we're too busy talking to God, whining to God, praying to be rescued by God, that we never stop to hear what God might be saying about a situation. You know, when we were talking about Mark chapter 4, of them getting to the other side of the lake, do you know what was on the other side of the lake? The demon-possessed man. The man who, the main demon in him said, I'm called Legion because there were thousands of demons within this man. He was naked, he was in chains, he was the crazy man everybody talked about. So when Jesus and the disciples got through the storm and landed, this is what they encounter. And Jesus sets him free. And he comes into his right mind. They clothe him. And do you know this man proceeds to go and evangelize the whole region for Christ? You tell me there's not warfare over your life. If you are living a missional life, if you are living a life saying, God, I want your kingdom to advance through my life, there will be warfare. Because you may not know that God is trying to get you to the other side because there's something there you don't see. And the enemy, if he knows you are a missional person, he will do everything to keep you off of the mission. And so you've got the disciples in this storm and, and they're seeking. And, and in that moment, they could have just let themselves drown. They lost their faith and completely missed the other side of the lake. And so why is it important in the middle of the storm for you to make the decision in the middle of the warfare? Because you just don't know why. Why is there warfare right now? That would be the question I would be asking. Instead of just laying down and giving up, I would be saying, why is there so much warfare right now, Lord? What are you doing? There has to be the other side that I can't see. And the enemy wants to get me off the mission. He wants to get me to give up. What if David and his men, what if they had succeeded in stoning him? They never would have rescued their family. 
They never really recovered all that was stolen from them. And so how we respond is so important in the middle of the storm. You don't know what miracle God is about to do. You don't know that person you think can't change. You just don't know what Jesus is going to do through them. And so quiet yourself and listen, because God has something to tell you about your storm. God has a promise to give you about your storm. And, and the storms I've walked through, especially lately, when this storm has wanted to really overtake me emotionally, every time I come to the Lord and I tell him, and every time he'll, I listen for what he's saying and he speaks to me, and I, okay, okay, God. There's something that happens when you hear his voice. And so in John chapter 10, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. Do you know your shepherd's voice? He wants you to. David had to get to this point. He had to connect with God, and he had to turn his ear to hear from God. I'm going to ask if our team would come back. We're going to pray for one another in a minute. But before we do that, we're coming. I want to just read some verses to you. We live in a, in a fallen world, and stuff has happened. We're, we know the victorious outcome, but we're still in the season of battle and warfare, aren't we? And so it's not a perfect place. It's not. We all are going to. The storms are going to come. There's no, nobody here is going to escape it. You've probably already been through them. The power of God's word is everything. The power of God's word will enable you to stand when you don't think you can stand. If you know God has said, go, we're going to recover all. Go to the other side. You're going to make it to the other side. You stand on that word. That's strengthening yourself. It doesn't matter other people's opinions about your situation. There's one opinion that matters. And that's God's. And so I've got some verses. I'm just going to read through them quickly. And I want you just to close your eyes and hear God's word. And be encouraged. And I have these uh, sourced. If you want them later, but I'm just going to read through them now. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In the world you will have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, helped me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. For the Spirit of God, for the Spirit of God does not give us, uh, does not give us uh, the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Man, what if you just declare that daily? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And finally, this is one I use almost daily in Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. And you know, 200 men of David's, they didn't make it all the way to the place of battle. David came back and in his great mercy and kindness, he shared the spoils with the 200 that stayed behind. But 200 of them said, I'm too weary, I can't go anymore. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of the 200. I want to be part of the crew that made it all the way to the place of battle to finish it off and to take back the spoils. And that only comes as we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. In the Lord.